0: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
1: Hugo Lloris, Kieran Trippier, Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen, Danny Rose, Moussa Sissoko, Victor Wanyama, Christian Eriksen, Deli, Son Hyung-min, Lucas Morrow, Ben Davis... Fernando Llorente, Eric Lamella, fuck it, Paulo Gazzaniga, one Juan Eric Eric and Oliver Skip, heroes to a man. Welcome listeners to the latest episode of the Extra Age, or as I'm going to call it, the full-blown erection. I am joined by my psychic and best friend, Barney. Hello, Barney.
2: Come on, with come on. Yes, come on, mate, we
1: made it. We're in the Champions League final.
2: It's just bananas, man. It's Isn't unbelievable. it? We were dead. Dead as dead. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're alive, man. We're alive. We were resurrected. Listen. <laughs> Through Fernando Llorente, who came on, Holland they've never seen a man like him before. They've never <laughs> seen someone like him.
1: Honestly, the lanky streaker piss came good. I I can believe what I was watching.
2: He would tear up the Era divisa. They. He, <laughs> he would, honestly, there was moments where he looked like Berbatov. The ball would just does. not didn't matter if it was just in his kind of atmosphere he just controlled it and brought it down he he was superb and everybody was superb even even those that weren't superb they get a pass they were superb
1: they get a pass for what is one of the greatest nights in Tottenham Hotspur's history i think i don't think that's any exaggeration to say that it was utterly ridiculously incredible um and i think it's conclusive proof that signings are good since our most recent signing lucas mora was the absolute hero of the day I think we should start, though, by talking about where we were watching um, the, the, the match. And I'll start because it was slightly less exciting than where you were watching it. So um, I was sat at home alone, um, which I was very happy about. I, I, I felt like this was a game where I didn't want to be in the company of any non-Spurs fans. And if I couldn't watch it with Spurs fans, I wanted to watch it alone. Uh, so I, w- I got home from work quite late. I was in a bit of a hurry. I made some dinner. Uh And I I sat with a vest on, underneath a blanket, (laughs) sipping on uh, a glass of sherry with ice in it. And I'm not a sherry drinker, but my parents um, donated a bottle which was going to get chucked out of their drinks cabinet. So a very random drink for a very random night. And when the third goal went in... I let out what can only be described as a single pitch shriek, which went on for about ten seconds. I didn't know how to respond to it. Uh, but, Bardi, your your environment is much more exciting. Tell me where you were watching the game.
2: Um, I watched at the the fighting cock social, which, which to be honest, has had mixed um, mixed results over the the kind of two years it's been running. I think we've only ever won two games, which was the two Dortmund away games actually. But um, it was it was packed. There was there was a there was a a Hope and optimism before the game, and obviously their two quick goals kind of hit us and we, around about half time we came to the realization that we 're still proud of Tottenham and we love tottenham and we we were hoping more in like you know as being good supporters let 's hope we can do something here and then gradually, as the second half went on, that kind of hope just changed into belief and kind of like how um how spurs were playing that they could they could smell it almost. It, we could smell it coming and that, and that as soon as it got to 2-2 we're like holy shit now from being in an impossible situation it's there we're just one goal away and it was a question of just waiting and hoping that chance came and if I'm going to be brutally honest I thought the chance had been a gone and I thought that was it and it was going to be an heroic but ultimately you know a failure but then it just blew up and it was almost i didn't even seem to see it with my whole eyes like my looking straight out i seemed to catch it out of the corner of my eye <laughs> and because the, the the time was up it was 95 minutes had gone up and uh, so i was almost turning away and in the corner of my eye i just saw lorente get involved and then delhi with a lovely flick and then it was in the back of the net and it was pandemonium there was it was like that scene in game of thrones where um Jon Snow is getting crushed in the Battle of the Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, everything is happening. There's there's beer, there's sweat, there's tears. And it was just a big pulsating mass. And yeah, it was unbelievable. I just, then I, I started crying. I, I, I'm not a crier, but I just lost my shit. And I, I thought I need to speak to someone. So I rang my wife and I was like, <laughs> I was couldn't talk to her. And then I saw Alex and he was in pieces. And it was, it was, I often I support Italy I've said that many many times but this was just this was something else this was the team that I've supported all my life doing why you got to bring
1: Italy into it for god's sake (laughs) one episode like just let it go (laughs)
2: I've just shown that this is this is Tottenham Hospital and my life is what I spend every day thinking about and writing or tweeting and talking about and it they're just amazing and it was beautiful
1: you're so you're so right there, and I got messages um, on Facebook uh, through WhatsApp from people that I've not spoken to in months or even years in some cases because they know that Spurs is such a integral part of my identity, and they they basically know me as a Spurs fan. They don't they don't think of me beyond that anymore yeah. because I'm not part of their life. And it was really nice that, that people kind of got in touch and said, "Look, I'm really happy for you, and I hope you I hope you enjoy it." Uh, it's the same at work today. People know me, you know. As, as someone they work with, but also as a spurs fan, that 's my kind of my reputation in, um, in my place of work and I took in my spurs scarf i hung it I hung it up in the office <laughs> um, people were talking about it and I, I just wanted to talk to anyone and everyone about the match. Unfortunately, I don't work with many football fans. The, the one fan I do work with is an Arsenal fan, and I made sure that that scarf was in his line of sight all day. Um, I just wanted him to to know what I was, how I was feeling for the whole day, basically.
2: I mean, Tottenham in the, the last two kind of Champions League ties, we've been involved in games which go beyond football, or go beyond it, it. It goes beyond sport. It's um, it's pure drama. It's games which have hung. I mean. I mean, the VAR game that was VAR's designed for the for the home audience, and that gave the home audience a whole new kind of element to watching football. And then last night, it it really was a Hollywood film. You can imagine that being shot in slow motion. Sissoko's big hoof upfield, and then all of a sudden, you know, you see the the floodlights dropping down, the sweat dripping, dum dum dum, bosh, and then you can you can imagine that being a Hollywood movie. And that's what that's what last night was. And I guess that's. The Champions League is looking for that. It's looking to be the the showpiece of football. And um, we've delivered two games like that. And ah, it's just an amazing thing.
1: I think what you're saying there basically is uh, Tottenham Hotspur, when you're bringing the DVD out, for God's sake... <laughs> i I got a uh, I got a whatsapp call last night from um, a website in the states that i've I've spoken to before and I, I can't remember in what con- I think I gave an interview with them as a, as a sort of fan a couple of years back and they called me and they said can we speak to you and then they called me shortly after and I didn't know what it was for and I said look you're not going to get a lot of sense out of me I'm a bit incoherent I was just Totally jubilant, I was tweeting nonsense I was whatsapping all my friends And I was just talking absolute nuts So it turned out they were recording the call I didn't know they were recording the call at all But they were recording me for a podcast And I was just like talking like I am now Just full of excitement And um, there was nothing coming out of my mouth Of any kind of analytical sense at all Um, But the one thing I did say uh, When I kind of clicked into gear And realised I was being recorded Was this is absolutely massive for Spurs in the long term in terms of our kind of global appeal and global reach and i think what being in the champions league final what this will do to us as a club is insane like the the, the number of people who will be watching this match who actually won't have heard of or if they've heard of us they wouldn't know anything about Tottenham Hotspur mm. it kind of puts us on the map it makes us it makes us uh, a main player and it opens doors that wouldn't necessarily have been open before so no wonder Daniel Levy was in the thick of the celebrations last night in the dressing room because this is massive for uh, off the pitch stuff as well as on the pitch stuff but let's yeah. go back to the beginning let's talk a little bit about the match so how, how did you find the first half because there's a lot of um, I think there's a, people were quite stoical at half time and I think rightly so what did you make of the first half?
2: Um, the thing that gave me hope out of all of it, despite being two down, is I thought we 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 created some decent openings and we started unlike in the first first leg where we didn't really um, lay a glove on them. We we opened them up. We hit the posts and Ericsson had an opportunity. So I knew there, were, there was a possibility for us to score score the goals we needed because I did. I don't think Ajax were as um, they weren't as great. In defence, as they were, um, they were always a threat going forward. I think Nere's being injured and pushing Tadic wide up against Trippier actually worked to their advantage, even though it meant they put Dolberg on, who, who's an awful footballer. But um, it did put Tadic up against Trippier, and it caused us it caused us a lot of problems. But even despite being two 0 there was possibly something there. There was there was a weakness to their defence, and uh, which we managed to expose eventually.
1: In a strange way, I actually feel like being two down rather than one down had the right psychological effects. in that it made us totally change our mindset, we've got to just go for it. We, we have to go for this. Mm. And the attacking substitution um, at half-time bringing on Yorente for Wanyama was totally the right move, of course. I mean, it was fairly... We, everyone pretty much predicted that that would be the half-time change. It made sense. Um, and it, it... We sort of changed our approach from minute one of the second half, because the long ball started. We knew they would happen. We saw that Ajax had a bit of a vulnerability to a long ball in the first leg. Um, and it was just a case of, can we create something from these from his knockdowns. Can we get enough players around Llorente... Uh, to create chaos, and um, ultimately we did. Uh, we, we've spoken a bit about Llorente already, but I think it's worth sort of li- lingering a little bit on him, um, because what he did was massively unconventional. It was almost like Marouane Fellaini-esque tactics, you know, stick on the big guy uh, who's got a reasonable touch and, and can hold the ball up and just see what happens. He wasn't perfect by any stretch. I mean, if Lucas Moura hadn't scored that second goal, I would have been sticking pins in a Fernando Llorente <laughs> doll today because that was a shocking miss. But... He was so effective overall. Um, some of his touches, some of his knockdowns, his passing wasn't always great, but some of his knockdowns were majestic, and the way he kind of brought the ball out of the sky on a couple of occasions kind of rolled back the ears and just looked um, like a, a proper footballer. Um, and it's there's something to be said for his Champions League campaign. He, he hasn't been great across the board, he hasn't been great in some of the Premier League games, uh, but in the Champions League, he's been hugely effective. And do you think that's partly to do with his style of play and, and how European teams cope with that kind of traditional old-school Centre
2: forward. Yeah, I think so, but I think it's also something to do with Lorente the man. Um, we saw Liverpool come come back against Barcelona, and there's, there's something to be said about Liverpool's just sheer belief that, and they they just have this belief that it's their right, it's their god given right to beat any team that comes in front of them at Anfield. And I, I think there's something in Lorente where you're looking at a World Cup winner, a guy who's won titles and cups and everything else, and even though he's rubbish, he does seem to just have that belief that I belong here and I can make a difference. And whereas maybe before we, we in someone like Jansen, you see him kind of like crumble and, and fade away. Lorente continues and he perseveres in that I'm good enough to be here and I should be here and I can make a difference. And I think that has a massive impact, his his general kind of belief. But um, by going long to him, also, what we did finally is put Delhi where he's the most dangerous when he's close to goal it, when he sits deep he's he's just wasted and you saw two assists last night counter attack and then the, the pass through to Lucas you've, you've got to put your best players where they play best and unfortunately because we've got no midfield Delhi's always having to play deep but as soon as we put him near the goal you, you saw what happened and um, had Kane been fit I think we probably would have we probably would have done Ajax over the two the two legs so I don't think Blind would have been able to handle Kane for, for 180 minutes
1: I think that's a really um important point you just made about Delhi and it was notable that Ericsson was the one who dropped deep into midfield, whereas Delhi was pushed forward, um, playing a lot higher. Uh both i thought had really good second halves errickson mm-hmm. was scheming he was picking up the pieces he was taking he was taking risks for the first time in what felt like months he was taking major risks and they were coming off for him he Ericsson had a really really impressive second half delhi was next level i mean some of the stuff he, d- he did yesterday was delhi at his peak and it was so nice to see because he's clearly been playing through injury i mean he's he's got a cast on his arm that's one injury but he's there's something going on um below the waistline as well i don't know there's some kind of injury going on there. Um, But he was great and he's so inventive, so clever. He's kind of thinking one step ahead of uh, the the defence and some of his passing was just a delight I mean, he it all clicked, but there, Lucas, there was
2: there was one pass I think Delhi did in the first half. Uh, did I imagine it? It was like a kind of a messy pass where he like Messi did against Liverpool, where he just sliced their defense in, in two. But no, I you're think, quite right. I can't remember Son, now. Yeah, to Son.
1: Son and Oof. Son had to kind of toe poke a shot a little bit earlier. It was quite di- it was quite yeah. a difficult chance for him to take on on his right foot. But it was a great ball from Delhi to to create that opportunity. Um, let's talk about Lucas's finishing because, I mean, we've seen some good finishes from Lucas across this season, no doubt about it. But I thought these three were all almost technically flawless. Uh,
2: which was your favourite of his three goals? Um, I think, it, even though I missed it because I had my head in my hands after Lorente had, um, had missed the, his opportunity, I think the second goal was probably the best one. He's... Um, I think I said to somebody during the game, he's very instinctive and when he doesn't have much time to think about something, I trust him more than when he's running through on goal. I think maybe it was against Bournemouth where he had a couple of touches and then shot and he didn't put it away. But last night it was one, two, boom, touch or quick feet in the area, almost like um, a bit of a um, futsal like they play in Brazil, yeah. where he just sweeps it past the defender boom, before you notice know it, in, the, in the back of the net.
1: That second goal, the, the speed at which his feet moves um, was just exceptional. I, th- I thought that goal was a thing of beauty. He showed not only the desire to get to the ball first, but then each touch he took was absolutely mm. perfect to create the opportunity for himself and he finished it magnificently. I mean, it was,
2: uh, it was fast, even in slow motion. That's how quick his feet were.
1: So that's exact. That's spot on. That's absolutely perfectly put. Um, his overall performance was great as well. He he, the, the thrust that he added to our team was perfect. I feel like in the first half, um, we had to play very carefully, didn't we? In the first half, because we were trying to beat their press constantly, and it led to uh, not everything came off because we were having to play this kind of really careful build up where every pass had to be so precise and nothing could be too rushed. Um, but he was showing some nice touches. What Fernando Llorente adds Coming on In the second half Is we can skip A lot of that stuff Hmm. We can just Bypass the press By going long and early And Lucas If he can get on the ball When defences aren't set He can wreak havoc And he did And and it worked out wonderfully Let's talk a little bit About Toby Alderweireld As well Because I think In a game where um, Lucas gave a 10 out of 10 Performance And deli has been spoken spoken Of incredibly highly I think Toby Alderweireld's Performance has gone a little bit Under the radar But oh my god That guy was absolutely imperious last night. Not just his defending, which was fantastic, but um, his use of the ball and his intelligence when Ajax were playing at their best in the first half and he was under so much pressure constantly from the pre- I thought he was exquisite in the way he used the ball what did you make of Alderweireld and Batonga at the back?
2: Yeah I, I think this is where the difference comes between watching it in a in a, a social setting and watching it at home it, in a social setting like that everybody I mean I didn't I thought he played well but for me he, he didn't stand out as much as someone like Danny Rose did or Sissoko did who were real kind of crowd pleasers so I think Alderweireld this season Season has been quietly, quietly good. I mean, he's always been good, but I think he's definitely back to his best after he had a bit of a wobble last year.
1: Yeah, and, and you're quite right to pick up Rose as well. He had a really, really good um, performance. He, The thing about Rose was he was really aggressive, but it was very controlled aggression, except for the moment where he threw the ball down, which was... Um, yeah. which was highly enjoyable to be quite honest with you um, but he he was so uh, controlled and intelligent in the way he used the ball there were none of these usual kind of hope for the best crosses or very few of them instead it was kind of take a touch come inside, look for a pass and that's the Rose I really appreciate and I thought he was excellent um, he didn't like getting taken off did you see his reaction uh, with Pochettino when he came off he was he, he really wanted to stay on and see it through to the end and I, I kind of admire him for that as well um, and then obviously he stuck it to Rudherlit in his post-match copy which was also highly enjoyable.
2: I mean it, it probably was the right call in the end he, he definitely was running out of running out of energy and Davies I think he was quite important in in the winning goal I think he won a a, a big 50-50 but yeah I I mean I'm a huge Danny Rose fan and I'll always defend him I I love the way he played his nutmeg in the build-up to uh, Lucas's first goal was brilliant and you know I I have a lot of faith in him continuing to improve and get somewhere near back to where he was and if he does that we'll have a fantastic fullback and someone a younger um, left-sided fullback can learn from.
3: Hello everybody, it's Nathan here. Uh, I was out while the boys were recording with some non-football fans, which is really weird because they couldn't really understand why I just had a massive shit-eating grin on my face the whole time and laughing at random. Um, I wanted to just interject a little bit with my own experience. I was also at the Fighting Cock Social with Bardi, uh which was... Um, the best footballing experience of my life to date, I reckon. Um, it was absolutely incredible. When Lucas scored the winner, I couldn't breathe. I tried to scream. I opened my mouth and nothing came out. Um, just hugging and embracing strangers for dear life. I um, met up with some school friends who were at the Fighting Cork Social as well, which is amazing. Um, yeah, just an absolutely ridiculous experience if you want to move on to that sort of dry tactical stuff and I can totally understand if you don't want to if for you it's just all about the moment and the and the passion and everything else um but tactically uh the thing the interesting thing for me is is the story of Lorente why why was Lorente so good um in this second game as opposed to the the first game why did play so I uh, someone on Twitter, uh, Jose Perez, not to be confused with Jesus Perez, obviously, um, mentioned before the first leg that Ajax have had some problems with target men in the past. <clears throat> and Lorente started that first game, and we did try to play long to him, and it sort of bounced off him awkwardly, and we couldn't win the second ball, and he had some bad touches, and I thought, okay, that was a decent idea, but he didn't materialise, throw that out, son are we back, Lorente's back on the bench, and he was. Um, but in the second half, he was just absolutely magical. So the question, the big tactical question, and I haven't been back and watched the game yet, but I will several times. The question is, why did it work? Why why were we able to play long to Llorente in the second game? Um, the two ideas in my head simply are the fact that he was only playing the second half, so that he had that sort of... Um, he didn't play the weekend beforehand, so he had some rest. He came on fresh when everyone's a bit more tired. And also, he knows he only needs um to get through 45 minutes um maybe penalties as well, but whatever. Um, so he can give more and he can give, a you know, twice as much towards each effort. Maybe that was the advantage or maybe it was simply because we, we created or we were in a more open game and we played, we really embraced the playing long. Whereas I think in the first game we want to play long but on our terms we want to build it and we want to work it and then we want to play long and when we do play long we don't want to float it really high. We, we want to place it and ping it. In this game we just said, you know, <laughs> we're the English club. We've got two banks of four and we're just going to smack it long up high to our big man on a massively stretched out pitch and maybe that's why it worked Um, I don't know, like I said I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch the game Back over to you, Wendy. It
1: it would be remiss if, if, if we signed off now without talking a little bit about the final. Um, oh my God, I would not want to be Pochettino in terms of having to make the team selection for that final game. So in all likelihood, given what we know from team news, Harry Kane is likely to be fit and available for selection. But also, surprisingly, Harry Winks is also uh, back in training now and will likely be available as well. Alongside that, we've got the potential of Serge Aurier coming back in and being... Um, up for Selection 2. So, how the hell does Pochettino handle this one? Does he just stick with the team that be Ajax or does he bring Kane and Winks two vital players and perhaps even Aurier back in? What would
2: you do, Bardi? I mean, Winks starts. If he's fit, he starts. You Just take out Wanyama and put Winks in there. Um, With Kane... I, Kane seems to be the moment he can run around. He uh, Pochettino plays him, um, and I think if he can run around, he'll probably start. Which I think is probably not the right idea. I, I would I would keep him on the bench and bring him on to make an impact after maybe sixty minutes have gone when possibly they're a little bit tired. I would keep the the Lucas, Sun, and um, Delhi options, and obviously Lorenzo Kane on the bench.
1: Interesting. I mean, I, I feel like Lucas is pretty much undroppable after getting a hat trick in the semi final. It would seem so harsh to to do anything differently there. Um, I suppose then that leaves probably Son. Son or Kane is the selection headache. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that's.
2: I think you start you you start Son, but but before we sign off, I think we need to give a big shout out to um, Sissoko, Tottenham's play of the year. He was he was incredible. He got booked really early, and that was that was a worry but he's he, he's so he's so smart for a player whose touch and passing is sometimes pretty bad and pretty stupid he was so smart in the way he played and he he had a yellow car but never once were you kind of worried like a dire if, if that was dire you'd be every time he went for a tackle you'd be wincing but um, Sissoko was very calm he moved to right back he played everywhere there was um, I think there was a moment in the second half maybe with five minutes to go where he was the one chasing Ziyech that all the way down to the other end and slowing him up he he was superb and um, yeah we, you know, we really missed him in that first 30 minutes of the, the first leg
1: and I think one thing you, you can always say for Soko is he's a proper team player he kind of he, he knows his limitations as you've just pointed out there um, but he does his bit and more for the team and he makes things gel together uh, in a way that I didn't think would be would be feasible for a, for a player like him so yeah you're quite right to, to single him but out um,
2: not just not just on the pitch it seems to be off the pitch as well he's become this kind of like 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 the I don't know like the um, the standard bearer like the the person at the front of the pack he's the one that joins the team together when the team celebrates it's always his song that they're singing it's always him that they're looking to and talking to and it, when he arrives in a group setting I mean looking at the people's Instagram stories it's great to get a little kind of insight into how they react behind in in the changing room but it's always Soko that they're looking to and cheering and getting to come in and he, 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 this this turnaround in him has been quite amazing.
1: And I think that's a product of how much the players appreciate what he does for them on the pitch. Like, he's a very selfless player. He he yeah. does a lot of running for others, Trippier being one, you know. The the joke was that he was babysitting Trippier right back. I mean, it was a joke, but there was some truth in it. I mean, he was covering a lot of Trippier's flaws athleti- athletically. Um, and, and actually, it was working really well when he was playing towards that side uh, earlier in the season. And he's clearly, like you say, a, a, the glue in the dressing room, and and players. He's that's the go-to song, isn't it? The old oh, Musa Sissoko chant yep. in the in the dressing room. Uh, Eric Lamella coming on uh, was great. He he uh, he looked really good until the ninety what seventh minute, where he tried to <laughs> dribble his way out of his own box. Uh, and nearly gave us all a heart attack. I don't know what he was thinking there, but uh, I was glad he was there primarily because his um, his Instagram was lit post game. It was very <laughs> enjoyable to to watch his his goings on on Instagram. Um, and and yeah, thank God someone was filming because it, it was um, it was it was it was a sight to behold. Yeah,
2: I, I'm but, not a huge Lamella fan. I've, I've quite often said that on, on, in many areas. But when he came on, he for all his faults, I think he has as a as a footballer is not really why I'm not a huge Fan of him, but um he comes on he held the ball he used the ball really well and he he was what he should be an excellent squad option and that's ex- that's exactly when you need a player like that and it was great that he was available yesterday because we we needed that little bit different to come off the bench and try and change things
1: Mate, when when Eric lamella scores the winner in Madrid, I want you to apologize
2: of <laughs> course I'll, I'll do anything I'll do anything to anybody for lamella to score the winner in Madrid
1: right. <laughs> No one forget what Barley just said (laughs) Note it down Note it down Thank you for listening Um, This has been a very jubilant extra inch We've been less analytical than usual But I think you'll understand why I hope you've enjoyed hearing us uh, Reminisce on a wonderful Wonderful uh, night of football for Tottenham Hotspur I love this club Thank you Barley.
2: No eyes, Wendy Lovely to talk to you mate It's the fight in It's the fight in Clock It's the fight in Interesting, mate, yeah.